The year is 2039. The boundaries between the real and the digital are as thin as the California aquifers. I've been transported to an unknown place outside Earth. Okay, so am I in a spaceship? Inside my ear is mission control. Yeah, you can walk around in it. There are human-like figures around me. As I approach them, I realize they aren't quite terrestrial. There's a lady with like a cat mask, and she's walking on a treadmill. I spot another figure, a man with red eyes and prosthetic knees. I reach out, my fingers poised to feel the texture of the prosthetic knees when mission control stops me. So obviously they're not real, so you can't actually touch them. <laughs> what do you mean they aren't real? Just like that, I snap back to reality. I'm not on a spaceship with a cat lady and a cyborg. I'm at the offices of Qualcomm, clumsily walking around, big goggles strapped on my head. And the mission controller is Gwen Beriak. She's an engineer trying to make virtual reality, or VR, work with 5G. Because the next generation of wireless tech is going to make VR and augmented reality that much more seamless, that much more real. It's kind of like, uh, kind of like being a science fiction writer without being a writer. You know, you're just always exposed to these new ideas, and you get to think about what the future is going to be like. You're listening to Rad Scientist, where the scientist becomes the subject, and where the virtual becomes reality. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another has it. This is Port of Entry. The Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. There's a reason that I was transported to space for a short while at the top. Gwen was showing off the software she's been working on to make VR work with new wireless technology. But before she was coding for one of the biggest tech companies in the world, Gwen was tapping on a different kind of keyboard. I went to the Colburn School of Music, which is a school in L.A. They basically taught piano with an emphasis on performance. When her teachers noticed her aptitude for math, they encouraged her to switch gears. But she never stopped making music. In college, I wasn't a music major. I was an engineering major. So my first year of college, they weren't giving out keys to the music building unless you were a music major. So uh, I didn't have a piano to practice on. So the only pianos were in the, the common areas. And so these common areas are actually these really old, like, gothic buildings. 
And so if I wanted to practice, sometimes I would basically like break into the building to practice. I would like climb through the windows. I know now it sounds kind of crazy, but I was 18 and it seemed perfectly reasonable at the time. Also reasonable at the time, not having used a computer yet. Although that did pose some challenges at first. So my first day at college, like, like people were like, oh, you go to the computer lab and then you'll figure out where your classes are. So I go to the computer lab and, and I had never used a mouse and I had no idea what to do. And I literally had to ask someone, like, how do I double click? And they looked at me like I was insane. But then they told me how to double click. <laughs> that was that. So, yeah, I don't think at that point I was thinking that I would be working on VR. After college, she got a Ph.D. studying how to move data through antenna. And then she was hired at Qualcomm. Qualcomm is the only job I've ever had. At first, she worked on more basic cellular and Wi-Fi technology. But then she experienced VR for the first time. I was actually um, at a film festival in the L.A. area. And besides um, showing their normal 2D films, so boring, they had a little area where they had invited people to come and share uh, their virtual reality films. And so one guy that was there, he, um, he had gotten like several Academy Awards for working on visual effects in Hollywood. And um, he had made this experience and uh, that was the first VR experience that I saw, and I think it was really life-changing. What was so special about that experience? If I tell you about it, you're probably going to laugh because it doesn't sound like it would be life-changing, but it's basically these shapes, and they float by. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound very exciting, but um, the shapes were really, really beautiful. There's these beautiful curves, and they're very complicated shapes, almost like sea creatures of sorts, and they would just float by. It was the most like peaceful feeling, and then I was totally hooked. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Luckily, there was already a dedicated team at Qualcomm working on VR. So I specifically asked if I could work on this team. Or maybe ask isn't the right word. I kind of begged, but, you know. Now it's Gwen's job to make sure the Qualcomm components are running as smoothly as possible with VR tech. She actually spends a lot of time in the same virtual reality experience with the cat lady and the cyborg. Gwen is trying to optimize that VR experience. You know, writing code, trying it out, seeing if that helped, you know. If it helped, yay. If it didn't help, you know, you go back, you do it again. Any lag in the time it takes you to move and the VR scene to move with you can be, like, really disconcerting. It's got to be seamless. And the kind of VR she's working with is special. I mean, we all have our own idea of virtual reality from the holodeck to blockbusters like Ready Player One. Pop culture and science fiction gave us this idea of a boundless universe where anything can happen. But it wasn't long ago that VR meant standing in one place. And then you could look around in a virtual environment. But it's a bit more exciting these days. You're sort of transported into another space and you're free to explore that space in any way that you like. So uh, that's actually a pretty big deal. And the technical name for that is called Six Degrees of Freedom. 
With six degrees of freedom, you can move back and forth, side to side within the virtual world, instead of being fixed in one spot. Like when I was hanging with the space cat lady, I could get closer to her by taking a step forward, and I could turn around to avert her steely gaze. It felt like I was actually exploring. Now, imagine you are doing so, hooked up to a computer, tethered with wires, trying not to trip. For the most part, that's what the available technology requires. But what if we could get rid of the wires, get rid of the computer, and just use our smartphone? Gwen's on it. The main goal of what Qualcomm wants to do is to show that, you know, in the future, you'll be able to have your phone, and no matter where you are, um, there will be like a, a, a cellular network which is good enough and fast enough and has enough throughput that they'll be able to send you um, all the data that you need to have an experience like that. You can find Qualcomm technology in pretty much half of all smartphones out there. So it's likely that you will be able to use the software that Gwen and her colleagues are working on. So with just a phone, a headset, and the right app, you can explore a virtual world. And the headset itself is nothing fancy. It's just there as an interface between the cell phone screen and your face. It's just simply a plastic case with uh, lenses inside. And you put it on your face. It'll seem to you that you're inside the scene. And once inside the scene, the phone needs some way to detect when you're moving. And that's why the walls of Gwen's lab are covered in a mural of a park there's also a large stuffed Spider-Man in the corner, but I'm still not sure why it's there. So if you have nothing but blank walls, it doesn't do very well. So that's why we have like scenes of stuff, you know, just benches and buildings. So the phone itself is able to localize itself. And since it knows its position, it's able to tell the game engine its position. So the game engine knows which part of the scene to render. And just like that, you move through virtual space. You just have to watch out for barriers in your actual 3D environment. Okay, you're about to hit a wall. <laughs> That's a good thing to know. As I regain my bearings, we'll take a short break. Stick around to hear about Gwen's more artistic visions for VR. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Gwen is getting into the nitty-gritty of VR tech, but on the side, she's making lots of art music, classical, and electronic. In fact, all of the music in this episode are her compositions. And recently, she started experimenting with the visual arts. She directed and scored one of those normal 2D films, and it traveled the indie film festival circuit. Including the San Diego Film Festival, so that was, that was really exciting. Yeah, I brought 
all my friends and filled the hall, so that was fun. It was clear that it was a totally biased audience, so. <laughs> Her short, co-created with animator Heather Larkin, was called The Fallen Phoenix. It followed a distraught composer who was struggling to please his patron, and it won awards for Best Score, Best Editing, and Best Animated Film. Now Gwen is starting to think about how she can integrate music, visual storytelling, and VR. She already has some ideas percolating, like an idea to use hand tracking with VR so that anyone can have the experience of conducting a full orchestra. You know, you can have little kids that are conducting the orchestra and that, you know, they get to have this experience because there's really very few people in the world that get to conduct like big orchestras. So I think it would be like something, you know, kind of a democratizing experience that like now anybody could do it. Who hasn't wanted to do that before? And what about listening to music? Like, what if we could be transported to a place that makes the music come alive even more? Like, historically, musical genres have always come about in relation to particular places. And so when you listen to music outside of that place, I think there's always a disconnect. And so I think it would be really nice if VR had like a host of experiences where you could listen to the music in the same way it was intended to be listened to. The punk movement came about, people playing in in sort of abandoned buildings of sorts, which is just four cement walls, and then the music develops to sound good in that environment. You may have noticed a pattern. Gwen's ideas are focused around music and how we can experience it in the fullest possible way. So I asked what kind of VR environment she would want others to be in while listening to some of her compositions. Ideally, in a perfect world, if I could, you know, use any material I wanted, I would, I think I would make a building that's like full of stained glass. And the funny thing about that is I think it's one of the hardest things to make in VR. Like glass is really hard because it's transparent and it bends the light in so many strange ways. VR isn't everywhere yet. We don't come home every evening after a hard days of work and enter our favorite VR experience to relax or escape. But once we can do so with our phones, that might change. I'd love to come home, put on some goggles, and enjoy a night sky full of shooting stars, no light pollution, with my headphones piping in sounds of crickets and bullfrogs. But for some, the idea of escaping into a reality other than our own seems weird even wrong. Gwen has some advice for those Luddites. It's always good to remember how you used to be when you were young and, you know, stay open and receptive to new ideas and learning new things. Let VR enter your life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's going to enter your life whether you want it to or not. So (laughs) it's always better if you're okay with it. And now for our moment of Xenopus. The Cat List. On this week's episode, we investigate how many cats Gwen owns. What's the artwork that you have on the wall? Um, well, I really like cats. I have a lot of cats at home, so... I... How many were you talking? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so I've decorated my wall with the uh, cat art, so... <laughs> In tribute. 
Yes, exactly. At home, do you also have cat art for your cats? No, I don't because I have so many cats at home that I figure if I put like art on the wall that has to do with cats, that's just way overkill, so. We talking like more than three? Yes, I will answer that question, but probably not any, <laughs> no more questions on that subject. <laughs> okay, all right. Best name, like cat name that, of the cats that you have? Sure. Well, this partially answers one of your questions, but I had some cats that are named after the Beatles, so all of the Beatles. Like even Stu? No, not Stu, just the normal Beatles. That wraps up my investigation. I've set a lower limit on Gwen's cat cabal, at least four. Next time on The Cat List, I find out if Schrodinger's cat is alive or dead. And now for the credits. All of the music in this episode was composed by Gwen. So cool. I'll include some links to her work in the show notes. Want to drink beer and learn about nerdy things? Head on over to Nerd Night on Tuesday, April 2nd at 32 North Brewing. I'll be there, so come say hi. Rad Scientist is produced by me, Margot Wall. This episode was written by myself with edits by Jill Gennaro. Our theme guitar riff is by Grant Fisher. Logo by Kyle Fisher, no relation. At KPBS, Emily Jankowski is technical director. Kinsey Moreland is podcast coordinator. Lisa Jane Morissette is operations manager. And John Decker is director of programming. This program is made possible in part by the KPBS Explore Local Content Fund. If you like this episode, tell a friend or rate and review us on iTunes. Stay rad.